Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Three guys, three decades, three perspectives. Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Morgan Coffee Co. is a small batch coffee company out of Point Pleasant, New Jersey. They feature unique blends inspired by the Jersey Shore, and every month they feature a new single-origin coffee from around the world and their new Flavor of the Month Club. Bean Mug and Coffee Co. is giving our listeners 10% off all coffee and their recently released K-Cups. Visit Bean Mug and Coffee Co. and enter Cousins10 at checkout. Bean Mug and Coffee Co., the roast from the coast. It's time for another interview segment of the Me and My Cousins podcast. Again, this is Angelo flying solo tonight with one of my good friends in the Asbury Park arts entertainment scene. If you go to shows, music shows, comedy shows, punk, metal, rap, whatever it might be, if you go to art gallery openings, if you go to restaurants, if you party anywhere at the Jersey Shore, chances are you've seen this gentleman we're having on tonight. He seems to be everywhere at the same time and somehow taking the best, highest quality pictures of people having that great time of anybody at the Jersey Shore. Uh, it's time for the Me and podcast to welcome Jeff Crespi. Jeff, what's going on, man? All good, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I think we have, I, I've known you, I've known over you for at least a decade. I've known you for four or five years, um, but I don't know that much about you. There's been documentaries on you, people who read stories about you, but let's consider people that, that don't know anything about you besides the pictures. How do you get to the Jeff Crespi rocks that we know today? <laughs> a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one of my biggest things is, you know, my, my kind of my past life, so to speak, before I came out here to New Jersey and kind of ventured off into the photography world. You know, um, a lot of people out here know me as a music photographer, but they really don't know who I am as a person other than the people I have those conversations with at shows. And that's kind of the purpose of why I make my documentaries, because that kind of gives all the personal information about me, about my past history with addiction and alcoholism and all those things that kind of brought me to a place where I am today. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, it, everything for me is about documentation. Um, and which kind of led to everything I'm doing today. Yeah, so it's kind of pretty cool. And uh, yeah, and it's kind of like, now I feel like I can never stop. Right, I, we hope you don't ever stop. When does that, that in your words, that, that second part of your, your life, that's photography and music and, and mostly in New Jersey, when does that start for you? What, what year are we talking about? So it really started um, about 15 years ago. 15, maybe 16 years ago. Um, I've obviously always been a music lover. Um, I grew up as a kid loving music. Music was always part of my life. Um, but I was not a big show going person in my teenage years. Um, I didn't go to like arena shows. I wasn't that guy that kind of said, oh, let's go buy tickets to go see Kiss or this or that, or let's go to the garden every weekend. Um, I was more of a club boy. Um, I grew up... Um, in the, uh, the 80s, um, so early 80s, I was already working in New York City. I was 19 years old. I was already electrical uh, apprentice in New York City, working in buildings like the Macy's building. Um, you know, early 80s was everything. It was the club scene. It was the crack epidemic. It was the AIDS epidemic. 
Times Square was Times Square. You know, New York City was dirty and filthy and a party town. And I was part of that. I was kind of like, you know, hung out in all the clubs, hung out in all the places that you might have heard of from back in that day, you know, before it all got cleaned up. Um, so I kind of lived that lifestyle for many years. But by the time I was about 25 years old, it was all done. You know, 20, I was already married at 23. And by 25, the whole party life for me was done. You know, I kind of found a way to get clean and sober um, and managed to stay clean and sober to the present, which is now a little more than 31 years. Uh, that's awesome, man. Congrats on that. And uh, I do have a question. Personally, do you think New York City is better now or the way it was in your era in the 70s and 80s? Or is it better cleaned up and Disney-fied and what we, you know, the tourist trap <laughs> is now? Or is it better back in the Wild West days of the, uh, you know, Studio 54 and those? The I don't know. See, it, for me, <laughs> in today's world, I like it the way it is. Yeah. But, you know, when, you, when you're growing up in a way where you love the when you're in the party scene and you know, we live in a world today where nothing is seen, you know, every, I'm sorry, everything is seen. There's nothing hidden. And back in that day, you could go out with your friends and you could have a great time and you don't have to be, you know, assholes. You could go out and just have a great time and do your thing. And the only people that know about it is the people that were there. And that's what I missed. You know, I miss the days of just going out and having fun and not having to worry about everybody around you documenting it for the purpose of shaming, for the purpose of, you know, just just kind of that whole cancel culture world we live in today. It's such a shame that we have to live in that world today. Um, so, no, you know, it depends on the person and, and the, the stage of your life that you're in. I mean, I love the old party days, you know, when they were fun. You know, going to clubs, meeting people. Um, you know, I don't know if you watched that documentary about the club kids. You know, um, I was kind of around that scene just a little before that all kind of blew up. You know, um, all those clubs, the dance clubs, Limelight. You know, right after Studio 54, there was a club called Xenons, a club called the Peppermint Lounge, which was my favorite. Um, you know, we used to go to clubs in Long Island. We used to go to clubs in you know, Queens, I, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. So we had Lemoore's in Brooklyn, the rock club. We had little discotheques. We had so many places that you could go and just have a blast and not have to worry about waking up the next day and seeing it posted all over social media, you know? Um, so I do miss those days. Um, today, you gotta be a lot more careful. Yeah, you know, no. even if you're out there partying, which I don't anymore, but even if you are like, you, you gotta be so careful today. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's a good lesson for kids out there, man. Really, you got a camera phone and so does everybody else. But I was, I grew up in between generations. Like there wasn't the internet when I was a kid. By the time I was 20, there was the internet. And by 25, there was social media. So I grew up kind of one foot in both eras, right? Right. And, and, and New York, as well. New York was kind of the same thing. I grew up thinking New York was this, this wild place I heard about in rap songs. By the time I got to be old enough to go to New York, it was the M&M store. It was the it was the giant Toys R Us in Times Square. It wasn't it was dance tears. I got there. I was like, wait, what's so crazy about this? It's all corporate. There's an Applebee's. There's nothing dangerous about this. But so I grew up hearing about one version of Manhattan and got to experience a completely different version uh, just based on my I'll, age. 
a lot of the places that a lot of the younger bands now, when I meet these young bands and they say they're from Brooklyn and I say, oh, where in Brooklyn? And they tell me and I'm like, in my day, you wouldn't be caught dead in that neighborhood. Me and my wife used to take the L train from Canarsie, Brooklyn to 14th Street, Union Square. And there were stops that we prayed to God the doors closed quick enough. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, how it was. Like people would just reach in and take a take a necklace off your neck out of the out of the train door. Yeah, it, 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 I, I've heard a, a lot about that in my life. It's a different time and a different different era, obviously. But you've done, I didn't realize this, you've been a part of two kind of transformations, right? Because you saw New York City go from that era to the current era. And you saw that on a, on a smaller scale, Asbury Park in the last 20 years kind of take the same turn, correct? Yeah, so it's like, yeah. and, and But I also think that's cool. Like, I, you know, life is life, right? You know, evolution is evolution. Like, there, there, there isn't kind of the experiences from watching that transformation is part of life. You know, nothing should stay the same, right? It's like that movie, um, what was it? Pleasantville? It's just the same thing day after day after day. Yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, it might seem simplistic and cool to some people, but it's just, who wants to live that way? You know, yeah. um, you know, you want to see things, you want to experience things. Now, in my, in my today life, I'm a lot more cautious. I'm a lot more kind of, you know, subdued. You know, I don't take chances or risks anymore. But back in that day, you know, there was no fear. You know, I, I was that kid too, as you know, I'm very social. So, you know, I was that kid that would hang out with my friends locally, you know, go to a movie, go to go bowling, go to a diner. By 11 o'clock midnight, you know, they're going home. I'm first jumping on a train by myself to New York City. Right, looking for the next thing, the next myself, part. You know, at like 19 years old, you know, so it's like, you know, I didn't have any fear back then, but there was always that risk. You know, I remember there was many times where I had no idea how I was going to get home from somewhere, you know, and, and then the whole party scene when I got bad, you know, there were so many times where my wife and my mother would scour the neighborhoods looking for me, you know, knocking on doors, find, trying to find where I was. And I, I'm going to ask you a question I didn't plan on asking, but I if you don't want to answer it. That's fine. And the, the, the version of you you are now, which is doing these great, this great photography in a lot of clubs, a lot of places where alcohol is available, a lot of places where drugs might be available. Is that is that tough for you? Because um, like so much of your life is in the bar and club scene. Is that a, is that a hard thing for somebody in your, in your shoes? Well, that's a great question. So <laughs> when I first came out, I moved to New Jersey about 24 years ago, right now. So the whole club scene now for me didn't really start till about 15 years ago. So by the time that started, I already had somewhere about 14 or 15 years clean and sober. So I already had my foundation. Now, if it was early on in that time, I probably would have never been able to do this. And when I first started going to the clubs to shoot shows or just as a fan with my son, I made sure that every single person that I interacted with whether it be the people, whether it be the bartenders, whether it be the staff, security, I made sure they all knew my story. Now, a lot of people wouldn't tell everybody that, but I knew that if, if I was gonna go to these places, 
I had to make sure that everybody knew that I didn't drink and drug. Right from the beginning, I established that relationship. So it made it a lot easier for me to be in those places and not have that uh, feeling of uh, fear of relapsing or, or, or kind of being put in a situation that I shouldn't be in. The bottom line is, is that I went, I go to shows for the love of shows. And so I don't, that's not even a part of the equation anymore. So to answer your question, you know, I can only answer for myself. That's not part of the equation for me. I go to shows because I love the atmosphere and I love the people and I love the music. And I make sure that everybody knows my story. That's the purpose of all my documentaries because I want people to know who I am as a human being. You know, I'm a photographer, I'm a music photographer, but I'm a human being first. And, and that has to always come first. And one thing I'll say about our scene at the Jersey Shore, I don't, I just, I don't drink that often, mainly because I have a job where I have to wake up super early in the morning. But normally if somebody offers me a drink or a beer and you say no the first time, they normally kind of drop it. I don't feel like I've been forced into drinking when I didn't want to really ever. Um, where I think that's kind of like a, a, kind of a misconception that everybody's always hammered in these clubs. And you know, a lot of, most of my friends are working if they're there performing um, it's not a huge issue. Most people respect if you just say no the first time. They kind of at least leave me alone. I'm sure they leave you alone knowing your story. So they were around a lot of good people that don't don't put us in bad positions. Yeah, I mean, right? I, I, you know, I've never really been in a situation that I could remember that I had to, you know, run out of somewhere. Right. Um, you know, and I'm also not that guy that, you know, when a show ends, I go home to my wife. Right. You know, I'm, yeah. you're not going to find me hanging out in an IHOP at 3 a.m. with a band. Right, right. You know, that's not my shtick. That's not what I set out to do. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you also have a very, very professional presence. Even before I knew you, when I just knew of you, it was clear you were doing a job and creating great art, as, documenting somebody else's art. Um, but it was clear you were an adult in the room and not not playing games. You were working. And it's a very Correct. good thing to have that. Have that. I, I recognize that presence before I ever even spoke to you. So that being, let's take it back a little bit. How do you get into photography? Do you take classes? Is it self-taught? What do you, how do you get into photography? <laughs> I have never taken a class. I have never huh, read a book. Um, I don't know a damn thing about photography. Okay. Everything, everything I do is based on feel and passion. Um, I do not want to be known as a traditional photographer. I'm not a technical photographer. Um, if you ask me what settings I put my camera on, I could give you a baseline, but there is no set range for me. My whole persona is to feel what I'm feeling when I'm at a show and looking at it through my lens. So when certain photographers might be worried about color correction or, you know, things like that, I could care less. You know, for me, it's about feeling what I see. So whatever makes me feel that way, that's what I wanted to portray in my photos. Nice. That being said, uh, you're a huge music fan. You jump in the music world in New Jersey. What are some of your favorite either subjects or pictures you've taken, whether they're well-known or just personal favorites for you? What bands, what artists, what musicians do you really like to photograph? Well, I mean, in terms of a visual, anything that has a cool visual, I'm going to enjoy shooting. Um, you know, whether it be what they're wearing, colorful stuff, 
you know, stage presence, you know, things like that is always going to be a huge plus. You know, I'm not that guy that likes to sit there and watch somebody sitting in a stool, you know, doing an acoustic set. Now, I right. might like the music and I might go watch them because there's somebody that I enjoy watching. But from a photography standpoint, I want the, the visual. I want that bright lights, the colors. I want the movement. I want, you know, one of the things about music and concert photography is it's the only type of photography that everything is constantly changing second by second. And I love that about it. You know, there's a difference between doing portrait photography or family photography or other types of photography that is more planned or staged. And you know exactly what settings you should put your camera on based on what time of day it is or the, or the light in a room. And to me, although that can be cool, is not what I enjoy out of photography. You know, I like the fun stuff. I like this, let's just go, let's just, even if I'm shooting with an individual, which I've been doing a lot lately during the pandemic, which is kind of cool because I've, I've kind of ventured out a little, you know, out of the music scene for the purpose of, you know, continuing to do what I love to do, but just having certain subjects that I never had time to do. Um, so I'm, I'm like, you know, hey, you want to shoot? Yeah, let's shoot. Uh, what's your plan? Uh, there is no plan. Let's just go pick a spot, hang out for a few hours and see what we get. I like that. You know, I like the personality part of it. I want to shoot with people that are cool, people that have a good conversation, people that just want to have fun for a few hours. I don't like the stage stuff as much as the, the outside stuff. Nice. And what one, probably my favorite picture you've ever taken is, of course, of me on stage at House of Independence for the Stand Up and Laugh book. And we hear more about that right here. Stand Up and Laugh. Build a comedy scene, produce your own shows, and create community by Angelo Gingerelli is available now on MichaelCosmPublishing.com. If you're trying to make your way in a world of stand-up comedy, you can build your career while enlivening your local comedy community and mutually supporting your fellow humorists, and you can even have fun while doing it. Angelo Gingerelli shares his hard-won advice for anyone who wants to create a comedy scene from scratch in a smaller community, carve out their unique niche in a larger city full of professional funny people, or anywhere in between. Lots of good tips here for anyone organizing community events, from how to book venues, get publicity, and avoid drama. Also includes great arguments for starting or joining a comedy scene, rather than thinking of yourself as a lone wolf, and solid wisdom for being an asset to an existing stand-up community. Stand Up and Laugh by Angelo Gingerelli is available now on microcosmpublishing.com. Say a band plays a 30-minute set, right? How many pictures do you take to get the four or five that make it to social media that are that lightning in a bottle? Are you constantly snapping pictures or is you just, you got an eye for when it's going to get cool? Like how do you, how many pictures are we talking about at the end of the Well, night? it really depends on who it is. If it's somebody I've shot before, then I, I've already learned, you know, um, what I'm going to see, right? So I, I'm one of those guys that I watch everything and I could see what's happening out of the corner of my eye as I'm shooting another part of the stage. So I know exactly where my camera should be looking at. I could actually take a picture, literally frame it perfectly without looking at my camera. That's how well I've learned the timing of a lot of the lighting and the bands that I've shot consistently over the years. If it's somebody new that I've never shot before, then I might take more pictures than I normally would just for the purpose of learning that part of it. 
right? So when I'm clicking away, obviously with digital photography, you know, you could take thousands of pictures in a 30 minute set. Um, but normally I would take probably about, you know, a couple of hundred and then basically, you know, a band that I shoot a 30 minute set, I might end up with about 30 to 50 good pictures, you okay, know? Cool. Um, yeah. So it's kind of depends on the, the band and, and how much of a visual there is. All right. Let's say you're out, you're that uh, house of independence doing a shoot for let's say negative sky with Dan Caputo. Right. And a 15 year old kid walks up and says, I want to, be the next Jeff Crespi. I want to do concert photography. I want to dabble in all these different worlds, different kind of photography. What advice did you give to somebody that's say in high school to get the ball rolling? What kind of equipment should they get? What should they learn? What do they what do they do? So well, here's the thing. I get that a lot. Okay. Just so you know, I get a lot of emails, a lot of messages all the time about that stuff. Um, and I can tell you many stories about people that have come up to me at venues and said that exact thing. Um, adults. Um, and I've learned over the years how to be very careful with that. Um, but if it's a young kid and they're interested, the first thing I tell them is earn it. Because in today's world, I'm noticing that more and more people don't want to earn it. They want to, they want you to give it to them. They do not want to work hard and they do, do not want to hustle. They, they want everything quick and handed to them. And I built what I have from the ground up single-handedly. And, and not that I wouldn't go around helping somebody out because I've done that many times. But when that second comes, I've had people walk right up to me at a show and say, hey, I just started doing photography. Can you, you know, help me out? And I go like, what are you asking me? And like, they look at you with a blank stare. And I'm like, well, I don't know what you're asking me. Are you asking me to show you how to take pictures or are you asking me for my client list? You right. know, that's, that's what happens, right? I get an email from a parent saying my, my son or my daughter is an inspiring photographer. They're going to school for photography. It would be really cool if you'd be able to kind of mentor them or take them around to shows and get them photo passes. Now at that point, which you might not know, um, they certainly don't know. I have to explain to that parent now professionally what the process is and how I go about getting my photo passes because it's not what people think. It's not where I just walk into a venue and they hand it to me. It all depends on the show, who it is and where it is. There are times where my photo pass is handed to me 10 minutes before a show starts because it has to be approved by the headlining band or a tour manager. They are not just handed to me. It's all done prior to a show. The communications, the emails, the reaching out to tour managers, band management companies, PR companies. Those are all people involved in the bigger shows I do. I don't just get handed photo passes by a venue without that approval. Yeah, so I, that, I mean, that's something most people don't understand. If you're, if you're photographing a band, let's say on July 5th at 9 p.m., your process didn't start at 9 p.m. Your process started in April sometimes. 100%, right. That sometimes my, my requests go out weeks in advance, and I have to wait and see if I'm approved for a show through that PR company or through somebody, you know, at a venue that I communicate with. You know, it depends on the situation and, and the band and the tour. If it's a local show, that's different. And if it's a local show and people are interested in taking pictures, and I tell, like you asked that question with a young kid, you know, go to as many local shows as you could and practice your craft and build a portfolio. Earn it. Come back to me in six months and talk. 
Because I spent seven years, seven years I spent taking pictures at of bands day in and day night, day in and day out for seven straight years, close to 200 shows a year before I ever did anything further. Hey man, to use a cliche, which I think is true, there's an element of truth in all cliches, every overnight success was 10 years in the making. In your case, it was seven years, it was a lot of years, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw another generalization out there in my world. See, I think it might apply to yours as well. And this is a sweeping generalization. It's not every case. In general, when a person, I'm going to say about 35 and up, asks me about comedy, they want to know, is this joke funny? Is this idea funny? Is this sketch funny? That younger generation seems to come to me with like, can you help me get on the show? Can you put me on your podcast? It seems like at some point, based on when you were born, I'm going to say 35 and down, some people tend to think it's only connections that help you. And then right. older generations, you think it's only talent and being great that helps you. And in reality, it's, it's kind of both. I think you got to be able to do the art or the craft well, but then you got to be able to work the magic of relationships and networking and make things happen too. Right. I think there's a generation gap that I think I'm, I'm kind of lucky. I think I'm right in the middle of it, but I do find that younger people are more asking about connections and that kind of help. Whereas older people ask more about the technical side of things. Well, so in my day, when I first started photography um and i didn't know anything about the business so to speak you know because i remember i i didn't start out looking to be a music photographer that was never a plan it just evolved out of going to shows with my son but when that time came and i remember reaching out to certain photographers that were doing it for a while and say hey you know who do i call who do i contact and they wouldn't answer me and I thought they were assholes. They were like, what, a, what, a, what an asshole. Like, why wouldn't he answer me? And then I realized these are people that will, that have spent years building those reputations with PR companies and management companies. And they were working with these companies. They were, they were making money. Some of these photographers, this is what they did for a living. This is how they put food on their table. So who am I to kind of come in and take that away from somebody? So when I first started getting into the, is it a hobby or is it not a hobby, you know, time frame, I made sure that anywhere I went, if there was another photographer there, I made sure to find out who it was. Are they working or are they just there to have fun? And if they were working, there's no way, shape or form that I was going to get in their way because I was certainly not going to interfere with somebody trying to feed their family. Yeah, that's yeah. a very good, very mature take on that that a lot of people unfortunately don't have. But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head of these guys are professional. He's working. Let me let me let him do his thing. I, I always make a joke too. One thing I can't stand at weddings is where there's a paid for the photographer there taking the best pictures you could take. People start pulling out camera phones to photograph the wedding, and it's like let the guy or girl do his job. They're a trained professional. There's no way you're getting a better picture on an iPhone 6 than they are on whatever DSLR camera they have with all their training and, and background and stuff they're going to do to that picture. Um, but that being said, you brought up your son and going to shows with your son. Talk about your family a little bit, man. I got to meet everybody over at Ghost Harbor Creative a week or two ago. Um, you got a family of artists. It's super interesting. Uh, tell me about who's in your family besides Jeff. <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm, I'm a born artist. You know, I don't do that anymore. I don't draw, I don't paint anymore, but I was a born artist who did nothing else but uh, draw, paint, build models and play sports. That was my life. I was a, I was a great athlete growing up. I was a great um, artist growing up. Um, I did anything 
anything that came in a kit, I did. What I made string arts. Um, model building was huge for me. My entire house growing up was covered from wall to wall with models that I built. Um, puzzles, uh, anything that with my hands. Um, you know, and I did that probably to good into my, you know, 30s, let's say. Um, and then, you know, it kind of fizzled out. Um, I was always playing ball. I was always an athlete. I played softball, bowling leagues all the time, tennis, you know, volleyball, you know, that's everything I was doing prior to the photography. Um, if you were, if you, if you were live on camera right now, you would be seeing all the projects that are on shelves in my living room right now that I have built over the years. Every second of my, my off work time was spent building something. Um, so my entire house and every apartment I've ever had from the time I was like 18 years old has been covered wall to wall with my work. Um, as soon as the photography took off, every single thing I was doing in my life at that time, boom, stopped, just stopped on a dime. It went full blown into the, the photography, took up every second of my, of my day and night outside of work. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, I spend triple the amount of time doing the photography than I do anything else with obviously, as you know, with, you know, a 10th of the income, you know, coming back. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what about the kids, man? What are they up to these days? You have two so, yeah, kids, so, you guys did a show together. Talk, talk so about that both, a little bit. Both my kids, you know, grew up as artists as well. Um, they both have my art talent. Um, my son um, is more on the darker side and my daughter is more on the brighter side in terms of their art perspective. Um, my daughter is phenomenal and took off with it. My daughter, I mean, my daughter was so far ahead of where I was at her age. I mean, at, you know, 12, 13 years old, my daughter was creating stuff that I could have never imagined doing. Um, and she just ran with it. She was so motivated, so passionate that um, at 17 years old, my daughter came to us and said, dad, I don't wanna go to school. I don't wanna put you through that. And I'm an artist and I want to do something with my art. And I said, listen, that's awesome. But you're not going to sit in the house and draw for eight hours a day. I said, you're going to go out. You're going to find a local job. You're going to learn how to work with other people. You're going to learn how to keep a schedule. You're going to learn how to earn a paycheck, not just sell pieces of paper with colors on them. Okay. Because okay? you need to understand how to actually be a productive member of society to be able to pay bills, to be able to get loans, to be able to do all those things that in my opinion, the younger generation today is not doing or caring about. Um, so she did that. And as a result of her doing that, she is now a professional tattoo artist controlling her own destiny, right? So, and my son, who is, is a very good artist as well as a musician and songwriter, um, he does a lot of rap spoken word stuff now. Um, he's just more of a, um, he's a little bit more self-conscious of his work. So he doesn't like to put it out there too much into the public eye. This show that we just recently did is the first time he ever presented his stuff to people. 
So that was the reason why I put this show together and included both my son and my daughter, because to me, it was a little push for my son and a little kind of um, way of my daughter kind of branching out more to, to newer people. Um, so it was a perfect fit for all of us. Yeah, it was really cool. Me and my wife and daughter came out. We had a great time. So thanks for having us out there that night. And uh, when I was even, my daughter's five, so she's got a long way to go until she's doing stuff like your kids are that are adults. But I think they, they, they have an extreme advantage having parents that are involved in the arts in any capacity. When I was growing up in Tom's River, the idea of going to an art gallery, putting an album out, doing con anything we're talking about was so foreign to me. Like it, like it might have been, well, been another planet. But our kids are growing up knowing musicians, knowing comedians, knowing venue owners, seeing tattoos that are awesome and then trying to duplicate them themselves and then eventually their own work. I think they have such an advantage in the arts by having parents that are involved and they can maybe open some doors or at least show them where the doors are. Like my family didn't even know where to go to pursue that stuff. Now that I had a great family, which is weren't involved in the arts at all. Whereas my daughter and your son and daughter are going to hopefully have a running start into that world if they want to pursue it. Yeah. Well, so like, you know, early on with my son, you know, when I was starting to do what I'm doing now with the photography and being involved in the venues, there was an outlet for my son to take advantage of, but he chose not to. You know, he was just that kid at that time, very defiant, very rebellious, hated authority. And if you suggested anything to him, he just went against you. So he was one of those kids where you just had to say, okay, <laughs> go on your yeah. own and see where you get. I I always joke around too. Like I'm not, I'm not at all uh, looking forward to my daughter's rebellious face. She's probably gonna have one off. Most kids do, but like, I think like if you're if you're me and you, right? How much do you want to rebel against cool parents? Like on a Sunday night, me and my daughter at art gallery together. I'm like, why do you want to rebel against this? This is awesome. I'm sure she won't. <laughs> she's a little bit older, but I'm like, I don't know. We could do cool stuff together and then and, and kind of go like that. What about your wife? Is she artistic at all? Because she seems to really hold you guys down. She was great supporter <laughs> that night I met her. It's funny because she's not. She she is like completely the opposite of all of us. Yeah. Um, but yes, so my wife is the perfect mother, right? She's the perfect wife and the perfect mother from a, you know, supportive point of view. Um, but no, she, as you know, my wife's not the person that's going to go running around at shows with me. You know, she comes out to two shows a year. And that's for Almost Queen and if Culture Club is playing. Those are good, <laughs> that's those are about good picks. It. Those are fun shows. Yeah. You know, so she's not that person that's going to come out at nine o'clock in the morning to Asbury for a show that doesn't start till five, six o'clock at night and then stay till one in the morning running around to venue to venue with me. She's not that person. So it's more like, okay, you know, I'll see you when you get home. There's food in the fridge. Love you. Right. I'll see you, you tomorrow. Know. Yeah, that's um, kind of the thing. Awesome, man. We start wrapping it up now. What are the next couple of things you have planned? You have the very successful show at Ghost Harbor Creative in Asbury Park. What's the next, what's this next couple of months hold for you? Well, so it's weird. Like, I don't know. Like, so I always get asked like, what's next or what, what do you think you're going to be doing down the line or in the future? There is no plan. The plan is to keep doing what I love. And if something evolves out of what I'm doing, I'll take a look at it, but there is no set plan right now through this whole pandemic. And I just was actually right before I logged on with you, I was talking with a with a um, a young woman that I'm doing a shoot with on Saturday, um, 
I've been doing a lot of different things during this time that I normally wouldn't have the time to do because I'm 99% of the time shooting concerts year round. There's no off season for me with what I do. Um, but I'm doing a lot of private shoots. I'm doing shoots with, you know, some singer songwriters as individuals. I'm doing uh, model shoots. I did the other day, I actually did a shoot for my friend's daughter's Sweet 16. Um, uh, Thursday, I'm doing a beach shoot. Um, Saturday, I'm doing a shoot with this uh, girl that I actually used to take pictures of when she used to perform music. She's also now a model as well. Um, you know, comedy shows, you know, uh, open mic nights. Um, so yeah, so I'm just doing a lot of different things. And over the course of time, you know, shows are going to start to open up over the next few months. Um, the bigger shows will probably be back late summer, early fall. Um, hopefully I'll get back to doing what I'm doing on a full-time basis. Um, but for right now, I'm just reaching out to people and looking to shoot with anybody kind of cool and anybody new. Um, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, I don't care if you're a comedian, an artist, a musician, just a cool person that wants to go hang out for a few hours and take some pictures, you know, so I'm just kind of, you know, diving into that, you know, and doing right, whatever right. comes my way. Let me ask you this real quick. In your, in your decade of doing this, have you ever been asked to do a photo shoot that you just, it was too wild to go, you know, I'm not photographing that. Has that ever happened? Do you get any kind of like really off the wall requests over the years? Not really. Um, no, I think I got more. A lot of times people will reach out to me and ask me to shoot like weddings. And, and I'm, I'm very honest with people. So, you know, listen, a wedding is a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. um, could I shoot a wedding? Of course I could shoot a wedding. But I'm not that guy that's number one going to take somebody's money for something that I don't think I could produce the way they're probably going to want it to look. And number two, there's a lot of wedding photographers out there. I would rather recommend a wedding photographer than take that for myself because it's gotcha. not what I'm going to enjoy. Even though I can do it, it's not what I'm going to enjoy. And passion is very important to me when it comes to that. Um, so no, so I, I kind of really, I step back when people reach out to me for stuff like that, you know, Hey, could you shoot my wedding? No, I'm not really a wedding photographer, but I could recommend you one. Nice. Oh, they got to respect that. You have to, um, Hey man, thank you very much for your time tonight. This is super great. Look behind the lens of Jeff Crespi. What's your social media and what's your plugs, man? How do we get in touch with you? Like I tell everybody, very simplistic. Jeff Crespi rocks everywhere you look. That's it, man. That's going to wrap it up for me and my cousins. Another great interview. Uh, one of my good friends in the Jersey Shore arts entertainment scene, Jeff Crespi rocks. If you need pictures for your band, your photo shoot, your album cover, your press release, but not your wedding, hit up Jeff Crespi rocks. Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. If you're not listening to the Me and My Cousins podcast, do you even listen to podcasts? Every other podcast is soft like a Twinkie filling compared to Me and My Cousins. 
Already on season two, we've had a recap of my epic roast battle at Ghost Horror Creative with Sean McDonough. We've had our founders of NJ Spots. We've had Tadpole Chipper. We broke down the Dark Knight trilogy. We had the guys from Telegraph Hill Records. We had Chris Rockwell, poet, open mic host, rapper, writer, comedian Chris Rockwell. We've had both of the two fit crazies. We've had John Beecroft and Joe Weber from Comics, Cartoons, and Craft Beer. We've had touring comic and ultra marathoner Dan Lamour. We've had authors like Tim Lowe and Steve Poston. And we've had Asbury Park's best photographer, Jeff Crespi. If you don't listen to me and my cousins, what are you doing? 